Issues. This is Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live in the heart of Rockefeller Center in New York City. Joined, as usual, for our 100th episode at Newsstand Studios. We got John in the booth here. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100 episodes. Anyway. Um, got uh, Joe Hazen rocking the panels here. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? All right, doing well. Uh, Nastasi, I believe, is in Los Angeles. Yep. All right, nice, yeah. nice. How is it over there? I'm sure it's not as uh, terrible as it is here. The part of Los Angeles will be played by New York this week. Yeah, how's it? How's it going? <laughs> uh, it's fine. Yeah, how's that? How's it there? Oh, uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, terrible, like horrible. So I was in Rochester, which I'll, you know, talk about in a, in a minute. But uh, I was like, oh, this fire that's, I can't believe this fire that's like 100 miles away, 150 miles away is causing all these problems here in Rochester. I get on a train, it's just as bad, if not worse, in New York City. It's crazy. Oh, really? Yeah. No. I mean, it was, we could smell it a day earlier than you guys could. Yeah, I believe that. But, yeah, I mean, like. It was uh, bad here. Oh, like real bad. Yeah. Oh, like super bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the only. You know, like people who were rich enough during the pandemic and like uh, and what's it? What's the word? Um, um, worried about it enough? Who all got air purifiers? They were doing a little better if they hunkered down inside. But you could smell that stuff inside because very tiny particles that made it down here. Real nightmare. Yeah, real bad. Uh, yeah. Any of you guys uh, who are listening who aren't from uh, this side of the country or any, this country at all, just look at. Any Instagram people from New York City or New York area in the past couple of days, and those are not filters. That is real. In the morning in Rochester on uh, whatever it was, uh, Wednesday, when I came back up, I could stare directly at the sun. That Couldn't even see the sun. Yeah, I mean, well, it was so bad. I was like, is that a bright orange moon? I'm like, no, I'm staring directly at the sun. And it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say... I don't think our masks are doing jack diddly do for that. No, unless you have a N95 or whatever. I don't, think it's... I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, like you need something that basically filters out 2.5 micron and smaller particles to like have it make much of a difference. So the people who are walking around with organic vapor respirators, those people, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, they look like they're about to murder you, but they know. It's yeah, up. they're not wrong. Yeah, they're not wrong either. They're not wrong either, and. As many people pointed out, the one time it actually smelled better being on the subway than it did being out of the street. <laughs> Although I have to say, for the first couple of hours, you're like, hmm, campfire. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it starts stinging the nostrils and the eyes. And... Yeah. And you just feel kind of sick. Anyway, uh, enough about that. Uh, where are you, Jack? What, uh, what, what's, what coast are you on? Oh, Jack's not here. Oh, no, Jack. I thought I heard him before. And Quinn, of course... Chilling up in the yeah. upper, upper, left, left, where the air is nice. Anyway. Well, we have, a, we have a little bit of smoke occasionally, but not too bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm wondering, I, how many trees have to burn for this huge of a thing to, like, uh, to happen? I just have no concept. Because we're not, no one is talking about the fires at all here. Nobody cares about the fire. No one's like, oh, my God, all these forests are gone, right? They're like... They're like, oh yeah, it sucks here. Anyway, that's that's classic New York for you, though, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, what interesting has happened in the uh, in the past week uh, with with you guys? This is, a, by the way, our hundredth episode. It's a all tangent Tuesday, even though it's Friday, and we're not supposed to have any tangents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic, classic Dave. Um, so, what do we got? What do we got? John, what do you got? I know for a fact, John, and this dovetails with one of the questions, so we can do your little, we can do some Mishigash with you and with one of our questions. Okay. And you can bring up other stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. Are you, what are you trying to remind me of? Well, a couple weeks ago, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it because uh, we had oh, a guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You finally got some quality time yep. with the Kalamazoo Grill. Indeed, now, I did. Now, for those of you that don't know, the Kalamazoo Grill is a grill that costs more than a car, and not a bad car. Like, costs more than, like, a moderately priced car. Right, smaller than a car, lighter than a car, uh, made of stainless, and it's it's so fan dancy, right? It's made in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's so fan dancy that uh, the people what make it sign the inside of each and every grill. So if you open up the inside, it's signed like a yearbook. Yeah, because that's you know your grill. They want you to know they made you this grill, yeah. and 
I have wondered for a long, long time. I mean, what the hell? Like how much? I forget what it was. Is it 15 or 20 grand this grill? It's crazy. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Cause it was the big one. It wasn't like yeah. a oh, separate question. Would you rather have the best of the lesser brand or the worst of the best brand? Oh. So in old school cars, since we're talking about grills made in Michigan, would you rather have the best Chrysler or the worst Cadillac? I'd rather have the best Chrysler. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess it's not always the same, but yeah, yeah. you know, it depends on the actual thing. Yeah. But I definitely some of those old Chryslers are sick. Yeah. 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 I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. What about you guys over there? Where are you? Are you worst of the best or best of the worst? Not worst, but best of the lesser. What do you guys think? Best of the worst. Best of the worst. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that should be our new motto. We're the best. Yeah. Of the not as the best, right? That'd be good. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So talk to me about this grill. It was pretty great. The one of the like back infrared heat things wasn't working super well. The gas connection was a little loose, but the rest of it, I mean, was just ripping it. We did the rabbits on like the rotisserie spit yeah. that it has, and it was you would just the machine on the spit was fantastic. No, was like, no like shabump, like, yeah. shabump, shabump. If I was rich, I would pay just not to have the shabump, yeah, shabump. For those of you that don't know, what I'm talking about is this. <laughs> where like the, there's play in the gears on your rotisserie motor and so that as it because no one no one is good enough at balancing a spit right unless you have almost nothing on it nobody is good enough at balancing a spit such that there's not uh, an imbalance on it and when these crappy gears with backslop are used right they um as they go over the imbalance point they slip and fall against their backlash and then get hauled around and back up. So it, it, it for, does two things. One, it makes a little area that goes faster, which just bothers me. I don't know that it actually makes it cook worse, but invariably, especially if things are heavy, it shakes the thing off of the skewer over time. So especially with things like pigs, chickens, uh, you know, it's just like it's internally shredding the meat for no apparent reason. It just needs to be built better. Yep. And by the way, we're not talking about like a $100 fix. We're talking about literally like like a $5 difference in gearbox technology at that scale, right? At that manufacturing scale would make them so that they worked and nobody gives a crap. Well, I'm glad the Calumet is – but, you know, you're paying an extra – Yeah. You know, how much does a really good grill cost? Five grand? Probably. Yeah. 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 So you're paying yeah. three times as yeah. much as an already absurdly priced item. Yeah. Which is, you know, not unsubstantial. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but a joy to use, you're saying? Yeah. I mean, the heat coming off that thing was just like, we started off with gas and everything was really, you know, just to like get the heat up, everything was really even, um, then threw some wood in there and everything just got really, really hot and it was, it was just really great. Right, how, many, how many, how uh, many, how many wrote skewer, first of all, is the rotisserie vertical or do you have to do it over the horizontal thing? Is it a vertical back rotisserie, like old school style, like the rotisserie units in back? The, the flame. In other words, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. They have that. In, inherently superior. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it, it's much easier to uh, to control than I think than uh, like underfired rotisserie yeah. is not nearly as easy to kind of, in my opinion, work with as uh, as the backfired one. No, great. I just put some wood down there so like that when the juices would drip off, it would kind of like create a little bit of that. Mm, aren't smoke, you, aren't yeah. you fancy? So, oh, yeah. so uh, then can you move the forward backward position of it, or do you have to just d increase and decrease the increase output? Increase and of, decrease. Right. I think and so. is there multiple vertical areas, or is it one spit straight across? One spit straight across. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you could put four rabbits on there. It was pretty— So it's long. Yeah. Or long. small rabbits. Yeah, yeah. No, long. Long oh, rabbit. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, no. All right. Now, uh, rabbits. What did you do to the rabbits? Nothing super exciting. I sort of played second fiddle on that. So it was just like salt and rosemary and pepper. Oh, basically. I mean on the rat second fiddle on the rabbits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So how much did you have to bite your lip when the the we were like, not like that, not yeah. like that. <laughs> basically. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Legs in or legs out? I think they were in. Yeah. Yeah. So that they could fit four on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And did the part underneath the leg not get cooked properly? Or was it okay? It was okay. How dry was the uh, was the uh, the like loiny part of it? Pretty dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah rabbit's tough, man. It is, and it, it wasn't like pre brine forever or whatever. No, rabbit's tough. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I know. I've I don't cook as much rabbit as I would like to, considering how much I like rabbit to eat. Because you know, I'm a I, I cook for mostly non tiny bone lovers. Yeah, and I'm not about boning out rabbit. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I'm definitely not. That's not you know. No, but it was nice. I haven't had rabbit in a long time. Yeah, so it was good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Glad yeah. I glad I ate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. Do it again. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cream, I know the. How are you on rabbit? What, what's your rabbit philosophy? Yeah, no, I don't think I've had rabbit in like, ooh, like at least ten years. Yeah, I don't know, it just doesn't doesn't come up often. Which is funny because the island is full of them. <laughs> really, Vancouver Island is like rabbit land. Like specifically the university, the university campus is just chalk a block. With rabbits. We'll send someone out to go get those things. Although I don't know, like, well, I can't say I've ever had a wild rabbit. I've never had a wild to. rabbit. What do you mean? Why? They're protected? Canada is all of a sudden, like, pro-thumper? Like, all right. Okay. Yeah, whenever, whenever uh, you know, when I was young, everyone was like, you're going to eat thumper? You're going to eat Bambi? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, you like watching Babe? Oh, I love Pig. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Doesn't I, I never forget, thoughts. there was a time when... I was going to get, there was a time when miniature potbelly pigs were the rage, right? They were huge. Like, they were a thing. Yeah. I was going to go say that. They were a thing. And so, you know, I kind of wanted one, right? Because who didn't want one? I was living in a loft. I was like, I can have a pig here. If messes happen, messes happen. I'm in a loft. It doesn't matter. And uh, so, you know, I hadn't yet spoken to Jen about it because she would have been like, what are you, stupid? You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, so... I called up a, a breeder of miniature pot-bellied pigs, and I was like— Oh, you got serious. Eh. Well, you know, whatever. Eh, whatever. Uh, I wasn't late on a book then, so it wasn't like as, you know, <laughs> wasn't as much of a problem. Um, and I said, uh, she's like, yeah, they're great, just like dogs. You know, they're amazing. They're so smart and so I was like, oh, great. So now that you do this, do you still eat bacon? She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's like, <laughs> that's like hardcore. Yeah. Do you guys think that if you were keeping pigs as actual pets that you could go ahead and like, you know, pound the, pound the bacon? I don't think I could. Just wouldn't taste as good to me. I'd like to think I could. I don't think I could. Like, I, don't th- I wouldn't like go out and like order and purposely tuck into like a whole bunch of dog. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not opposed to people eating it, yeah, because that would be uh, illogical of me. Yeah, but uh, I don't think the I one would time enjoy. I did eat dog, I didn't know that's what I was being served. And in retrospect, so. you know, you're like, oh, yeah, right. It was a little bit of a turnoff while yeah. I was eating it. Yeah, I was at somebody's house, so I had to keep eating it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. All right, don't want to be rude. Nice. Yeah. Don't want to be rude. All right. So uh, we had a grill question. Should I go back to grill question before we go back to shooting the breeze? Sure. All right, since uh, Quinn will murder me if I don't, uh, if I don't get to the uh, questions here. Um, Henbats writes in, anyone have experience cooking with an infrared grill? If so, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly? Well, you know, John just told you the ugly is the connector might not hook up. Apparently their customer service is really great. If, they have any, if you have any issue with the grill, they'll just automatically send you a new replacement part. Or if there's an updated component to it, they'll automatically send you that free of charge. They had better. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, hey, that's Booker and Dax quality style customer oh, service. Oh, right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Speaking Ooh. of yeah. great machines, yeah. people can still order their Spindle 2.0. Yeah. 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 And, by, and by the way, uh, so right now, I think we already told you guys. So for those of you that I don't know that somehow landed at this show and have no idea what the hell's going on, first of all, let me apologize. And secondly, uh, you know, we make these centrifuges. Uh, well, we made these centrifuges and we're making them again. Thanks to the very fine community uh, who pre-ordered enough to get the order going, we're going to make more. And so the centrifuge kind of helps you clarify. But the new version is so much better than the old version. And in fact, I took it to Rochester for the Rochester Cocktail Revival where I was doing a demo on uh, clarification. 
And uh, Eamon Rocky was there. He did agar clarification but right before and, and milk washing. So I was like, well, to piggyback on what <laughs> Eamon is doing, I like to show you how real people clarify things with a centrifuge. And so, like, uh, not that you're not real if you don't have a centrifuge. I'm not saying you're not real. You're still, as Quinn would put it, a real boy you know, or a real whatever. Quinn, Quinn, for years, Quinn didn't have, a, uh, like, an actual hard phone. Right, Quinn? So uh, can I tell the story yeah. or not? Yeah. So Quinn's... Quinn, yeah, yeah. yeah, so Quinn finally gets a phone because Nastasi and I are like, we can't send you images on text. What the hell? Right? So finally he got one and he literally just sends me a text that says, I'm a real boy now. <laughs> I was like, strong, strong, uh. so strong. Anyway, uh, are you liking your phone, by the way? Uh, I mean, you know, it exists. Yeah, all right. Unlike unlike existing conditions, which no longer exists, zing, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, anywho, so I was spinning and we got crushed for time, and all of my spins I was doing like three minutes on the spins. So they spin faster, and the interlock works really well, and I can open it. So I'm really psyched, and it's going to get maybe even better because uh, the factory is sending me a test board where I get to mess with all the parameters. So I'm going to see how fast I can make it go before it goes vibration crazy. And I'm also going to see how fast I can decelerate it without ruining the clarification technique. I'm just trying to get the the G-forces as high as I can with the unit and the... um, and the and the spin times as short as possible. So, and I'm you know going to probably increase the pump speed on it. So I'll be, I'll be able for the first time be able to like modify all of those things myself and just tell them what the answer is. But even the st- the one that they did, the stock base one, is already better than the original. So I'm. I'm I mean, everything about it's going to be better. Even all the parts are going to be easier to replace if things go down. Yeah. Parts are going to be much harder to break down because everything else has been so much better designed. I mean, it's just going to be a much much better product. Yeah. The only negative that I, I, I yeah what Quinn. Okay, where can they go? Oh, to, to pre-order. You are. Dot cool forward slash spinzel, proving that we are not in fact cool. You are the letter U, the letter R. Dot cool slash spinzel. Or bookerdeck.com. <sighs> if you if, if you ref, if your fingers won't type, you are dot cool forward slash spinzel. If somehow like you know. You have a mental block on on typing those letters. You can just go to bookerindex.com, right? Yeah, I know Nastasia mm-hmm. won't type URL. I mean, I don't know. I've been typing it. I think it's a cool URL. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, anyway, so um, right, one more thing about the about the Spinzol new Spinzol. Oh well, whatever. Uh, you can still pre-order it until we put our order in with the factory for the actual number of units. We're still accepting pre-sales, so you know. Oh, I know what the problem is. The only thing that I'm really kind of disappointed by, and there's no way around it, is the old parts. The new parts aren't interchangeable with the most with the parts that break most often in the old unit. Mainly because the reason we changed them is because they broke a lot in the old unit. And the f- the factory can no longer produce the- those things. Like the- it doesn't exist anymore. Like the electronics boards don't exist anymore. Lids, lids are different design. So there, there, unfortunately, won't be a way going forward. And first John and then Quinn and Nastasi and I have been stretched to the breaking point trying to fix old spinzols as best we can. But they are. If they are going to break, they're pretty much, unless you can fabricate the parts and we're willing to send you the, yeah. the STLs to, to do it, like, you know, we're not going to be able to support them going forward too much longer. Would you say that's mean? Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. you've still been able to support them, frankly. Yeah. Well, like, literally, we go, we rip apart units yeah. and we've been like parasitizing them. We've been selling, not selling, because I don't even think we charge most of the time. No. We've been sending out, uh, you know, like semi used parts because, you know, it's like fixing, you know, to go back an old Chrysler. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyway, so it is what it is. So back to hen bats. Um, any uh, experience cooking with an infrared grill? What's the good, the bad, and the ugly? Uh, it's a great movie. Gr- it's actually my ringtone. Really? Yeah, yeah. Will you? I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like, I used to occasionally scream, Blondie! <laughs> 
You know what? That is a great title in it, in the original. The original Italian is an even better title. Oh, I think I've heard it. What's it? What is it? Il buono, il brutto, il cattivo. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's strong, right? It is. Oh my god! Uh, On my honeymoon in 1995 in Rome, I don't know why I went into a, a like a movie st- you know store where they sold like VCR tapes and whatnot, and uh, I saw it for the first time. I was like, "Oh, that's even better." Leon. Anyway, Leone, I guess. Anyway, uh, okay. Uh, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly? Looked at them years ago when shopping for a grass gas grill and opted for a Weber, presumably the kettle style Weber. When you say you opted for a Weber. Unless you say otherwise, I'm assuming you mean kettle-style Weber, which is a fine machine. Good grill. You know what else? A lot of people have experience on that thing. Anyone comes over to your house, they know what they're going to expect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Remember the little, the Smoky Joe? Who, who has not owned a Smoky Joe? Yeah. The little Smoky yeah. Joe, especially if you've ever lived in New York and you want to, like, illegally grill on your fire <laughs> escape. <laughs> The Smoky Joe is the is the unit par excellence for yeah. illegally illegally grilling on your on your fire escape, which is a time honored, stupid, dangerous thing that many New Yorkers do. Yeah, myself included. What about the little hibachi? I bought one once, but I used it inside, and I got it so hot that the paint caught on fire. Now, how hot do you have to get a hibachi grill to catch the paint on fire? Yeah. It, it was not cool. My wife was displeased, unpleased. There's a lack of pleasure. I've told the story about how the fire, how I got the fire department coming to my place once, right? Have I ever told that story? I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you this quick about grills. So I lived in an illegal loft on 38th Street between 8th and 9th on the 20th floor of a 20-story building that was built in 1927. When I moved into this building, there was like – one other person living there on the on like the 16th floor. So there's four floors between me and the only other person who was living and the rest was still sweatshops. It was starting to move over to like photographers and artists and what, but it wasn't. There was a central corridor in these old buildings. They didn't have fire escapes. They had fire stairwells in like the central part of the thing and you would go down and because there weren't enough bathrooms in the sweatshops, and this I know I've mentioned on air, like people would do their business because, you know, they're humans and they're working unbelievable shifts, right? So all their business would happen in these fire stairwells. So no one used them because they were bathrooms, literal bathrooms, latrines. But since I was on the top floor, you could punch out and actually be outside at the top of this of the of that kind of little corridor for the fire stair and it was almost like a little outdoor patio but totally enclosed no one could see you anywhere like you were totally contained so i took my uh, i bought a full size like one of those half barrel char broilers that were you know used to be cheap at the home depot and had it out there and was doing charcoal grilling constantly in the garment district in a huge grill huge like i did a medieval feast on it like i used to cook like family dinners, I would cook huge amounts of food in this, you know, illegal machine. And then one day, they installed a uh, an alarm on the fire stairwell because they were starting to, you know, up their security, right? And so I couldn't get back in, and I didn't want to have to knock on the door all the time, so I propped the door open, right, so I could go in and out. But what happened was there was a um, there was a temperature kind of inversion, and so the wind sucked into the building instead of out they changed and when it changed it sucked all of the smoke from the thing into the building itself and set off the detectors because they'd also installed smoke detectors to try to be more current so everything goes nuts goes off the fire department runs up 20 flights of stairs in full gear shows up and i have like all this meat on the grill and they're like what the hell are you doing you can't have an open fire. What the hell do you think you're doing? I swear to God. I looked at them and I shrugged. I go, taste better? <laughs> and they just walked away. They just walked away. Yeah. <laughs> they were probably hating you. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, I didn't try to give any excuses. I was like, taste better than did a gas grill. Did you offer them any? What? Did you offer them any? And it wasn't done yet. And they were in the mood. They were in full yeah, turn. probably so pissed. They were in full turnout gear. Like, you know, full turnout gear is no joke. You know what I mean? And they just run up 20 tall, like, you know, 10-foot flights of stairs. Oh, man. But that was, uh, Jen made me retire the grill after that. Rightfully so. I'm not saying this, like, oh, ogre Jen. I mean, like, rightfully so, I had to retire the grill after that. And, you know, 
And from then on, all family dinners were only deep fried because the fire department did not come into my loft and find my illegal deep fryer. So, anyway. Um, back to infrared grills. Um, the company makes them locally. This is the infrared grills that Henbats is talking about and claims to be the inventor. HTTP, everyone claims to be everything. No one invented infrared, like the technology. Like, I'm sure they invented whatever specific infrared technology they have. You know what else is an infrared uh, heating technology? I don't know if you know this. The uh, Searsol is an infrared uh, heating technology whereby we take the optically thin and hard-to-use heat uh, energy from a torch flame and turn it into a much better, easier-to-use, more effective infrared heat source. Did you know that? I did. You did? I did. Did you know that the Searsol, and specifically the Searsol Pro, can— put uh, the power of a broiler in the palm of your hand. Were you aware of this? I think I've heard it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, Quinn, when are those, uh, are those on the water yet or soon? Uh, TBD. I still need to get one. Yeah, well, right. uh, we're going to, we're going to have a thousand units to sell as soon as they, as soon as we can toss them across the water. Um, you know, we've, yeah. we've fulfilled everything. We've left enough time to not have the, I hope, the uh, people who bought the originals get mad at us. And we have 1,000 more that we're going to throw across the water and see what happens. Um, but as Quinn says, TBD. Um, to techgrills.com, which is T-E-C grills.com, not with an H, no H in tech grills, in case you're trying to look it up. Uh, my friend just started working for Tech Grills, but uh, at, the, at his main company, the grills are apparently a small passion project on the side. All right. So the concept of infrared grilling is simple, is that um, gas grills waste a lot of heat energy because, as I said before, flames are optically thin. And what that means is, is that uh, you can't get very good radiant heat off of flame, which is why what you really want is uh, – you want to use those flames to heat up things like lava stones or whatnot. So the original infrared grills are always just ways of converting um, a gas or other form of uh, you know energy like that into something that is primarily in infrared wavelength, right? So you know <clears throat> anything, basically things you you can't they don't even necessarily glow. They don't need to glow because once it's glowing, it's not infrared anymore. But the more something is hot, the hotter it is. And once it starts glowing, the vastly more energy is being put out. And the vast majority of uh, heat energy that's being put out, even of something that is glowing, is infrared. But uh, it's just a much more efficient way to throw heat on meat than trying to either do it by the conduction of getting the flame directly on your product, which can cause problems because it can burn and all this other stuff. So the, the more you can just convert the heat energy into infrared that then hits your product, infrared also has good uh, penetration into the surface of your, of your, of your food. So it's just a, a better, more efficient way. So that's the shtick. My problem with this particular website is they have a lot of stuff showing like here's our grill here's us cooking a chicken and i can't evaluate anything because what i need to see is here's exactly how our grill works there's no like tech nerd thing on their website where i can just evaluate what the hell is going on and um you know they've been around a long time so it doesn't make me nervous whenever someone has a new technology and they don't have a section that says explicitly how or why something works differently it makes me very nervous because it means that they can't or that they don't have protection for it but these guys have been around a long time so i'd be interested henbats to hear more about uh that but yes converting things to infrared is the you know backbone of one of our businesses it's also by the way the reason why uh if you look in an old salamander i think they still do it you ever notice in a salamander there's these little steel bars below the burner right so you're looking at they, they usually have uh the ceramic burners with little holes in it and my problem with those and any infrared because those are called infrared burners too any of those infrared burners that are based on that technology is it's very difficult to throttle them because uh, all those little holes need a fairly constant gas pressure coming out of them. And so if you've ever used a salamander, like a lot of times, uh, you know, even a little bit of a problem with gas input, and when you throttle them, they tend to flame out. Uh, and then when you overdrive them, they just have a lot of flame coming out over the edge, and that doesn't really make them work any faster. John, you've had this happen to you. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's the main problem uh, with uh, that kind of burner is called throttling. There are, n- there are new – oh, I'm sorry. 
the ceramic burners. There are new foam, new meaning 10 years old, foam burners that apparently are much better at throttling than the old ceramics because of the way they work, but I ha don't have a lot of experience with them. So that style of infrared sometimes has throttling problems, but uh, you know, infrared based on quartz also kind of works quite well. Um, yeah, so you know, anything you can do to put more heat on your food as opposed to throwing it into the atmosphere is probably a good thing, right? Yeah. Infrared, your friend. Yeah. Uh, Sargon writes in, what do you think of freeze-dried lime juice? It does not produce a nose, but it seems to make a taste, although I find I have to dry shake with it first. Sargon, what are you doing, man? Sargon, what are you doing? Like, are you trying to make, like, camp Kool-Aid? Like, what's going on here? Like... Why would you pay someone to freeze-dry your lime juice unless – because you didn't say I also have a bunch of palcohol. Do they still make palcohol? You know what I'm talking about? That powdered alcohol stuff? No. If the goal here is to be able to bring a packet of cocktail and then like dump it into like grain neutral or something and then shake it, I can see the application here. But I don't know why you would use it just to use it. You have to tell me – uh, you have to tell me why you want to do this. Sorry. Can you think, can you guys think of anything, any reason why other than camping or like space? Prepping yeah. for, okay, the it's not for a drink. I mean, I don't know. What do you mean? Oh, I mean like sprinkle, but he says he's shaking with it. I know, I'm just saying in terms of an application for the product in general. You mean, <laughs> so I want to throw lot. Yeah. Okay. 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 Here's what you should do with it. Sargon. French fries. Potato chips. Well, I was going to say, lime marshmallows. Okay. I mean, I don't know. You know what I don't like making? Okay. You know what I hate making? Mm. Marshmallows. I just took a dislike to I making like it. Making. Okay. I, I like making marshmallows. Okay. That's why, you know, people get to be different. I hate it. There was a time in the, in the like, kind of early 2000s when every pastry chef was making, like, five, you know crap tons of marshmallows, all different flavors and stuff like that. And then, like, you know, I made it a couple of times. And then you get it wrong a couple of times, and it gets all weepy. And then, like, you know, it's all sticky. It's, oh, no, I don't like making it. But I'm glad that you like making it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, lime marshmallows. But uh, I think, like, uh, yeah, like some sort of, like, I guess lime salt. If you don't like, like, you know, you don't like... Uh, Tostitos. Lucas, that Lucas spice. Do you like that Lucas spice with the duck on it? There's the red Lucas and the and the blue Lucas. I don't know if I'm familiar. Uh, <clears throat> that you put on fruit. No. Mm -hmm. What? You mean tahim? No, I mean Lucas. No, brand. Yeah, I mean, okay. Lucas. What I mean, it's got a duck on it, and there's a blue one and there's a red one, and you like put it on fruit, and it's good. Anyway, so you can make your own kind of Lucas mix. What do you think I meant? I meant Lucas. Anyway, uh, what do you think? Did, did I answer Sargon? Sargon might be going to space. He's from California. He knows all those tech people. True. You know what I mean? Yep. Don't go to space, man. Like, who, who among this group, given the opportunity, would go to space? Oh, Joe raises his hand. Joe would go to space. Joe would go to space. Huh. If, if, you're, if we come back, like, alive, yeah, I would do it. Well, there's no guarantee. That's the point. The point is, are you willing to take the risk? If, if I was guaranteed was to come guarantee. back alive, I would do it. I mean, how many how many shuttle missions were there? Like a hundred and something? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, two of them were catastrophic losses. Mm -hmm, I remember that. Out of like you know a hunt with loss of complete loss of crew, so like two out of with probably less than two hundred, right? It's probably fewer good. than two hundred missions. So we're talking like, you know, better than a one in a hundred chance of uh, not coming back. Don't enjoy. Not for it. <laughs> not rolling that die. You know what I mean? If you had a one in a hundred chance of getting on the subway and getting, you know, not coming out of the subway, you wouldn't do it. Mm. And I'm saying going to space is not worth it for me for that. Yeah, but it's space. I mean, it's just so... I mean, what do you even have to live for? Why is your life so precious? <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, that, that, that's a good point. Logically, it's not. There you go. No one's died on the vomit comet, to my uh, knowledge. Therefore, that is inherently safer if you need to be weightless. If the idea is I need to experience weightlessness. Yeah. 
Just go on the Vomit Comet. Yeah, Although, so. I would not want to go on the Vomit Comet. Paul Adams, friend of the show, Paul Adams. Who, by the way, have we discussed this? So, uh, <clears throat> I forget what it's called, dihydromercetin or whatever it is that Paul used years ago to uh, blunt the effects of alcohol on your system. It's a, it's a supplement, so you don't need a prescription for it. And he came to uh, existing conditions and drank like an unconscionable num- amount of cocktail and didn't get like visibly perturbed by it right after he was taking this stuff. So he wants to come on the show and do a side-by-side with people, like people not knowing who's getting it, who's not, and then like imbibing a certain number of cocktails. Mm. And I spoke to Bob Data, who's been on the show, who's, you know, the, the, uh, Harvard. Uh, the Harvard, you know, scientist who deals with this uh, kind of thing. And he said, yeah, yeah, we could do that kind of a study. So like, and he was saying actually he might be able to do rat studies where he can actually see if rats are getting drunk or not. He said the main problem with it is that uh, rats don't like booze. So you have to like force them to drink the booze to see kind of what happens because they don't like the taste of it. So he says it can be difficult doing alcohol studies with rodents, but his machines that track, that computer track rodent behavior – uh, I think are only tuned to rodents, so you know, not people. Yeah. So you can't tell if people are drunk with these machines. Anyway, so but then I was wondering, is that an okay thing for us to do as a show? Like on the rats or on people? No, on us. Probably. Like. Let's see why not. All right. I mean, you had a negative reaction to the Rockstar Wine Show. It would probably be similar. Uh, that's true. Wasn't a big fan of that episode, but so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. other people did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, well, you know. yeah. Uh, so anyway, back to space. Paul Adams was on the Vomit Comet, and he says the the he loved it, but like the issue for me is is that you're on it for like an hour, and they keep doing it over and over and over and over again. So you can't be like, I did it. I was waitlist for 17 seconds. Let's go down now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't need to do it over and over and over again. I wouldn't do it for just one 17 second run. Want like I don't know, get a little money's worth. I mean, okay. maybe not a whole hour. I'll give you that, but I mean, I there, know, like three or four drops. There's a reason they call it the vomit comet. And can you imagine if someone hurls and then it goes weightless? Yeah, I do not want to see weightless hurl. I do not want to see that. Um, anyway, I'm uh, sure they have precautions for that. Probably. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, I've heard that one of the things in the uh, that if you're a, a military pilot that can wash you out is throwing up in your mask one too many times. And you choke on it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's no way I could be one of those pilots. <laughs> there's no way. Like, I hate roller coasters. I hate sudden physical, like, application of G-forces. Like, no way. Anyway. Uh, not just that I'm not qualified and too old. <laughs> but, like, even when I was young and unqualified, had I been qualified, there's just no way. I don't know. Uh... Zev wants to know, I'm going to answer you right now, Zev. I don't have any idea, but let's talk about it anyway. Any ideas for cooking with the shells from English peas? Uh, Just got home uh, my first couple of pounds of the season from the farmer's market, and the shells are juicy, sweet, and almost, but not quite tender enough to eat raw. The internet suggests blanching and pureeing for a pesto-like puree, which seems promising. I don't know that I have a better suggestion. I would yeah, that's what I would do. I mean, uh, oh, you can, uh, my dad. Yeah. All right. My dad made a suggestion. All right. But he's what we did one year. We blended it with like a bunch of, I think, just water and sugar, and then just fermented it out all the way to vinegar. And that was interesting. Interesting or good? In my family, interesting means it sucks. Uh. The other word in my family that means it sucks, if you ever have my stepfather over to dinner, is tasty. If something is tasty, it sucks. It means it has taste, but he doesn't like it. <laughs> so which well, is it, interesting or good? We have the same issue in our home, too, as well. That's interesting. Yeah, right? You don't like it. It means you don't like it. So, Quinn? I mean, I, I, I use it. Okay, but again, so, so you're not saying you liked it. You're not saying take your stuff and go through the trouble of making it because it's delicious. What I'm not hearing from you, Quinn, is you know what's delicious? Blending it up with sugar and making a vinegar. That's what I'm not hearing from you. Okay, it could be. Mm. All right, Zev. So, you know, I can't even get Quinn 
to recommend his own recommendation for Blanche you. Blanchon puree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say this, though. You know what I just recently tried for the first time are the dried marrow fat peas to make the official mushy pea because they're hard to get in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so <clears throat> marrow fat peas are different from, like, the little garden peas that we, you know, normally get frozen or fresh here in the, in the U.S. And although I have to say, I really do like just a fresh garden pea also with mint, but not, not you know, butter and, butter and mint, check, 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 with a little extra sugar in it, real good. But uh, I actually really like the, the marrow fat pea. I, believe, a pea. I believe the companies whose product I had, the dried ones, was Biggie, B-I-G-G-I-E. And they serve it, they sell it with a little packet of baking soda or baking some, some sort of alkaline thing to keep it real green. It made it a little soapy, but I, uh, what's it called? I, um, I uh, corrected it at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I busted back the acidity a little bit at the end. You guys like mushy peas, mint in your peas? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, well, I know Joe, uh, Joe with, the English, uh, with the English connection has to like a mushy pea. Yeah, my son loves them too. Really? Oh, loves them. Uh, and, and, and he's good with them. There's nothing in them that... No, nah, it's great. We make it all the time. With the mint? With the mint. With the mint. I love the mint and the mushy pea. Mm-hmm. Do you know who doesn't like mint? Miley Carpenter. I was going to try to get her to come on today from the Food Network, but she had to be out of town today. She's going to come on soon. We've got to figure out a time to, to get her on soon. But she hates mint. I, I, I can say this because she publicly says she hates mint to the extent that I once made a pie because I didn't know she was going to be there. I made a pie with mint in it, right? So it's like, you know, I forget, but it's the equivalent of like key lime, key lime pie but with mint in it, right? Which doesn't sound bad, right? Sounds okay, right? Here's what she said. No one ate it after what she said. Why'd you make toothpaste pie? I was like, toothpaste pie? I don't know that I would call it toothpaste pie. And then everyone's like, I don't want toothpaste pie. She doesn't like gum either then, right? I think she likes Big Red. The cinnamon. Yeah, cinnamon. Do you like a cinnamon gum, Joe? Yeah, I like. I, I, it's not my first go-to. I, I don't love cinnamon as a whole. I love like horchata. Yeah. But uh, a cinnamon for me is not a, a, a you know, like I can, I, I can tell when it's in like... When it's made with in the food or a gravy or something like that, I'm like, oh, there's cinnamon in this. Interesting, I like that. But interesting in a good way. <laughs> interesting in a good way. Yeah. I uh, to me, the flavor of Red Hots as cinnamon is com- completely divorced from the flavor of cinnamon, the baking spice. Like it's a whole yeah. different animal for me. Even though I know they come from the same kind of product, it's just wholly different. You know. Agreed. The uh, the egg rolls at um, what's that Chinese restaurant um, in Queens? <laughs> I can't. I, I mean, no, no. They, they deliver to our home all the time. I can't remember the name. Something King. King. Uh-huh. Anyways, the the cinnamon and the egg rolls are delicious. Really delicious. Nastasia, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on Red Hots? I, I don't know your thoughts. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, I like them. Yeah? I like I like Red and yeah, fireballs. Ooh, fireballs. I haven't had a, so okay. I cannot, I'm not allowed to talk about it. Never mind. So uh, it's, it's not an Anastasia thing though. But I was specifically told not to talk about it, so I won't. But uh, you know what? I don't. Okay, again, admission. I'm a biter. I'm a biter. When it comes to candy, I'm a biter. So like jawbreakers, fireballs, red hots, and the feeling of my teeth slipping over the outer outer coating as I'm trying to bite them too soon. I don't know. I tolerate it, but I don't. I don't love that. You know? Are you guys biters or are you suckers? Suckers. Sucker for those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like those old Tootsie Pop commercial where uh, how many licks does it take to get to the center? One, two, three. I I never made it without biting. Ask Al. That was, that was a great commercial. Awesome commercial. Um, all right. So, uh, Wismerd writes in, I'm developing a, okay, Wismerd, I got an issue with the form of your question. So I'm going to attempt to answer it, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to, all right? I'm just letting you know ahead of time that I have an issue with the form of the question. It's not necessarily your fault. It's the fault of the world and the internet and how this thing has been posed all the time, all right? I am developing a nitro-infused beet kvass, uh, lacto-fermented beet brine. Was there bread in it or not? I, I thought... Kvass had no, beet to have kvass, no beet beet is just beets. No, no bread of any kind. No bread. Why do they call it kvass? It's a doctor. There's just two kvasses. There's beet kvass and bread kvass. Okay. Sounds like it's just borscht you left out. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, for shop for a shop I'm helping open. 
I bought the uh, EC Nitro and ran a couple of tests. The results were so lackluster, I feel I must be missing some crucial info. And also, best practices for nitro infusion are the uh, uh, practices the same as for CO2. All right. There is such a confusion of terminology on the term nitro that, uh, you know, there. I do not blame you for, like, for anyone for not knowing what's going on because I don't actually know what's going on when people just say nitro. There are two different gases and there are two different things and two different approaches, right? Nitrogen. So people who say they're doing nitro with nitrogen, right? What that's doing, and I don't know how carbonated your your kvass is, right? But if the kvass, and, and when you say infused, that's the other thing. People say like infused, but the you already have beet juice, right? If your idea is to infuse flavor into the kvass using rapid infusion, you have to use uh, nitrous oxide for that. And I don't, you didn't write what flavor, if that's the case, you didn't write what flavor you are infusing into your kvass that isn't just the beets, which presumably it already tastes like beets because you made it from beet juice, right? Okay. So assuming what you mean is putting bubbles into it, right, um, if you use nitrogen, which is what the new EC nitros are for, nitrogen, right, what they, those things are doing is they're assuming that your pro, that nitrogen is not, I repeat, not very soluble in liquid, right? It's very minimally soluble. So what they do with nitrogen right, classically in beer gas, with beer gas, which is CO2 plus nitrogen, is you have a relatively low carbonation amount, right, and you put extra nitrogen in so you can, A, force your product through your lines faster and not increase the carbonation level. That's one thing. But another, the widget in Guinness, which is nitrogen, right, what they're doing there is is that as the pressure is released when the Guinness is dispensed or when you open the, the, the lid of your, of your can with a widget in it, all of that nitrogen that's in there goes poof and makes all these micro bubbles. And those micro bubbles then make a big head of foam because the nitrogen comes almost instantly out of solution. That's how that works, right? So the nitro stuff is a texturizing uh, effect that involves it already having its own foaming effect and then making a lot of micro bubbles so you get that very fine foam. That's what nitrogen is for. So when people are using nitrogen, they're trying to get that rolling Guinness look in a, in a cocktail. It's all of these very quickly formed, but unless your product sustains them, very quickly dissipated bubbles. That's what nitrogen does. Nitrous oxide, N2O laughing gas, the whipped cream stuff, is actually soluble and will make bubbles that are much more akin to CO2 but don't have the CO2 flavor, right? So two entirely different things. But nitrous, because it is soluble, makes bigger bubbles and over a longer period of time than does nitrogen. So if your kvass is already carbonated somewhat with CO2 and you use nitrogen, you should be able, and it also has the ability to hold a head like Guinness does, then you should be able to get that Guinness effect if that's what you're looking for. But I need a little more clarity on exactly it is that you wanted to happen and what didn't happen. Covered smothered? Covered all right. smothered. All right. Um, all right. Uh, Ken Ingber writes in. He wrote, he, wrote, he wrote in before we didn't get everything. What are the pitfalls of pre-mixing a Manhattan or old-fashioned? Uh, and does it matter if I'm using a plain or interesting vermouth? Well, of course it matters. if you. Well, first of all, what's plain vermouth? Ain't no such thing as – I think you mean Martini and Rossi, right? I mean, I think – I mean, I love tasting different vermouths, but, you know, m most of the vermouths that you have have a place somewhere. You know what I mean? I don't know. And Martini and Rossi gets a bad rap because it was treated so poorly for so much of our lives, so much of my life anyway. I mean like most people who are listening to this probably never grew up in the era where there was one bottle of vermouth on the back bar that had been open for two years and tasted like oxidized peanut waste. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like those of us who are old enough kind of never gravitated back to Martini and Rossi because we're like, why would we? Because we have those bad memories. So um, the pitfalls of pre-mixing a Manhattan are – 
that you make a bad ratio with a whole lot of uh, booze. So I would always make sure, I would always test your ratio on one first and then premix before you waste a whole lot of booze. I would also exclude oxygen unless you're into the old school aging uh, that people used to do with them. Um, and especially if you pre-dilute them. So I like to make full strength Manhattans, i.e. just vermouth, booze, and bitters, uh, and then store them in plastic soda bottles in the freezer. And then when you mix that with the right quantity of ice water, which is like two of that, one of ice water, I think, I have to go back and look at it, it just comes out Manhattan. So you can just go, you know, out, out the door. You know what I mean? And so then like when I'm gone and someone's at my house and they're like, I want a cocktail, we can be gone. You know what I mean? No measuring, no muss, no fuss. And it lasts a long time. I've had it over a year. I've had it. Uh-oh. And it's, you know, good. So I would, I would do that. Uh, is it crucial to leave virtually no headspace in the container? Yes. Yeah. If you don't want it to change. If you like oxidized vermouth, then God bless. You know what I mean? Uh, if using glass containers, should I um, – can I safely store them in a home freezer? It really depends on whether or not you're ever going to freeze it. If you're going to freeze it, then no, you, things can break. But uh, if you don't pre-dilute it, Manhattan won't freeze. If you don't pre-dilute it, the Manhattan won't freeze. It might get, it'll get syrupy, but it won't freeze. If you dilute it, it could break. But also, if you store it in glass, then you have to worry about uh, getting the headspace out. So unless you have some way of, of purging it or if you don't mind it oxidizing – um, I don't know. And then, uh, what should you be asking that you're not asking? I don't know. Seems, seems like all the good questions, right? And in the end, is this a reasonable strategy? Yeah, I'd do it. But you have to be willing to deal with uh, the ugly plastic soda bottles in your freezer. Some people just can't deal with it. It's sure. too ugly for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're just too fancy. You can't deal with the plastic soda bottles. And by the way, uh, not like a soda bottle you can squeeze. The whole point is squeezing. And if you're lucky enough to live in England and have the very gas impermeable, uh, bottles, even better. Like, our bottles aren't as good here. Um, all right. Okay. Ali uh, Schoenhorn writes in, Hey, uh, love your book, Liquid Intelligence. One of our favorite recipes is the flat leaf, which is a parsley. Uh, we've been struggling to find uh, Arncia, even at Latin grocery stores or even Google. Could you clarify what type of orange it is? Not Seville, right? I need someone who can hook me up here. When you go to a store and you buy the bumpy sour oranges that are used to make like sour orange and like garlic mixes and sour orange. What, what are other words for that orange? Because that's the orange I'm talking about. They're full of seeds. They're real pulpy. They're sour. They're bitter. But they're not Seville's. You could use Seville's in the flat leaf, let's be honest. But it's just not – wasn't designed for that fancy, no. fancy, fancy, fancy stuff. But I don't know the other names. Does any of you guys know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. You've been into stores in yeah. New York City that sell to Latin – Latinx groups, and they're bumpy. They sometimes have green on the outside, ugly as hell. They're all different sizes. Uh, pick the heaviest ones because the, the ones that are light are just dry as all get out, and you're not going to get any juice out of them. You know what I mean? Are you literally Googling bumpy, ugly, bitter oranges? I'm looking at what my purveyors have. Let's see if oh, yeah, but Baldor doesn't sell that stuff. Well, I'm not looking. Not that fancy. Uh-huh. Chef's Warehouse, baby. Ah, yeah. I see. Uh, Scott Fielder wrote in, uh, Fiedler, sorry. I'm wondering if you've ever used a hydrometer to measure the specific density of any cocktails after shaking or stirring. I've read the section in Liquid Intelligence where you say it's important to pour the tonic on top of the gin. Well, that's the reason you pour the tonic on top of the gin is because you need, I recommend that you put the ice and the cup in the, uh, the glass in the freezer. And if you pour the tonic directly on a frozen glass, it'll nucleate. And, and blast out. So the, the gin is just taking the edge off those sites so that you don't get immediate nucleation when you pour your tonic in, which makes sense, right? It should make sense. Uh, I hope it makes sense. I'm wondering if the same is also true for a cocktail like a Tom Collins where I short shake, short shake the simple syrup, lemon juice, and gin. Obviously, this is dependent on the spec and the amount of dilution, but is it better to top or bottom with the club soda? If you're using a frozen glass, then I would definitely – Add the stuff that is going to take the edge off that freeze before you add the carbonated stuff. I mean, that's the main reason. Or perhaps the shaken simple lemon is less dense than the clubs. It's not a density factor in this case. It's just helping you to not um, nucleate like a mother. Some people I know will – if you're not using a frozen glass, I know some people are like, little bit of soda, all the mix – 
little more soda stir, right? Because then they get like the best of all the kind of world. Because I do hate it when a, uh, a drink isn't uh, mixed properly and then, you know, it changes radically from the top to bottom unless that's, of course, what you intend to have happen. But it rarely is. What are, what are drinks like that? Do you like like drinks that like no. look all different from the top to the bottom? No. Tequila, sunrise, no. and all that? No. Not your not Mix your, it. Yeah, mix yeah. it. Yeah. So when someone sends you something and it's all layered, yeah. someone makes you a Proust Cafe, you're like, you mix it up. You're like, someone hands, like, like John, a Proust Cafe, which is not a drink anyone should ever make. Like, that's just not a skill that needs to exist anymore, right? He's like, give me a straw. Yeah, exactly. And just in front of the bartender just stirs the hell out of it. Yeah. 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 All right. Don't care about the layers. Don't care about the effect. What about the ones where you have like the little sugar cube in the bottom with the with the with the stuff and it's sending the bubbles up? Do you smash that up and stir it in? I don't know if I've ever had one of those drinks. Yeah. All right. Now you know. Well, when there's life, there's hope. Yeah. Um, and no, I've never used a hydrometer to measure the specific uh, gravity of cocktails after shaking or stirring because uh, it's affected by a bunch of things. And so unless you, ha- unless you can guarantee that you know all of the variables and have done all of the plots to figure it out, it's not it's – not, same with a refractometer. It just doesn't tell you what you need to know. So what you can do is you can shake or stir, stir pure ethanol. So you just do vodka and ice, which I have done that. Right, and you can figure out the proof of your of your drink based on that. But then you're making the assumption that once you add things like sugar, that it's going to dilute the same way, which you can't guarantee. You just can't guarantee it, and so uh, I don't. But I believe it or not, I'm actually working on this problem with uh, you know the hypothetical book. The book is not hypothetical. In fact, I went to the I went to the hundredth anniversary of Norton this week. Right, you know when I came back. Uh, from uh, Rochester, and the um, it was kind of fun. Saw my editor, Melanie. She is mad, but not overly mad at me. Yeah, good. And yeah, it's kind of an amazing thing. Michael Lewis was talking. You know, of course, Kenji's books were everywhere, but he wasn't because you know he wasn't going to fly out just for just for a little thing like the hundredth anniversary of the. That's true. Yeah, he's too busy getting James Beard awards. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah strong. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. Time or uh, time Maroney writes. How much can you tell from the pH of a cocktail? It, uh, and also, isn't it dependent on temperature? I'll tell you what you can tell about the, from the pH of a cocktail. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, yeah, don't use a pH meter on cocktails. Uh, it doesn't work. It's it's a it's a fool's errand. Uh, percent acidity. And when you're looking stuff up, look up titratable acidity. It's a much better correlation to kind of what's going on. All right. In the little time we have left, Nastasia hasn't said anything about anything interesting happened to her this week. She's been in Los Angeles. Anything good happen? Uh, I'm just here at my parents' house drinking coffee. Coffee? Nice. Do they have the, the exact level of not good coffee that you like? Yep. All right, cool. I appreciate yep. that. I appreciate that. Appreciate it. Uh, all right. So in Ro- last time I was in Rochester, I had what's called a garbage plate. You guys familiar with the garbage plate? Garbage plate is like either hot dogs or, or, you know, hamburgers, cheeseburgers with meat sauce, which is ground up. They call it hot sauce. It's like a hot meat sauce, home fries. And then I had and a bunch of other stuff. Beans is what I had. And I was like, man, I had it from uh, Nick Tahoe's, which is the kind of well-known one. And everyone said, you're an idiot. You're Jamoke because there's a cultural, there's a, an age, a gender divide. And the answer is mac salad, not beans. And I had two garbage plates when I was in Rochester this time uh, at the Rochester Cocktail Revival. And I have to say, mac salad is the answer. I am now a fan. I had one with hamburgers. I had one with uh, Zweigel's Reds. I am now a fan of the garbage plate. I am all about the garbage plate. I am very pro-garbage plate. I will I will get down and dirty with anyone who's anti-garbage plate. And uh, from Bean to Bar... Uh, we have uh, Justin uh, went to my demo and he gave us some chocolate to try so John and I are going to try some of his chocolate on the air that he makes up there in Rochester so what do we have here this is single variety single variety 70% dark chocolate from Huila, Colombia and if any of you are interested it's bn2br.com Joe you want some? not right now alright and uh, let's try some more it's good yeah yeah it's got a nice acidity what should we try? Should we try one of his infused ones? How about this one? Lemon white. Yeah. Even though, you know, everyone knows my feelings on white chocolate. I don't know, Justin. Not lemony colored. But of course, you know, whatever. Let's see. Let's see. All right, you eat that one. Oh, he's still eating. All right. Well, hold on. Justin, wait. John's got to put this in his mouth, but he's got to finish your Colombian. You've got 27 seconds to finish your Colombian. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, thanks for having us, Joe, for 100 episodes so far on uh, Newsstand, uh, in Newsstand uh, Studios. We're super, super happy, and um, I think we're happy. I'm glad, uh, glad you're having us. I'm happy. We're all happy. I like it. You like it? Different. You're yeah. pro-lemon? All right, you talk about the lemon while I eat the lemon. Four seconds, dude. Oh, very tart. Wasn't expecting yeah, how tart it is. Exactly. All right, I have to say. Yeah, right. texture on it's really good, too. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Cooking issues.